Hello, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Over Drinkers. I'm your host, Mike Burge. Uh, in case you don't know, Over Drinkers is where uh, myself and a couple other good-looking people get together and speak with our good-looking voices about good-looking films, and uh, specifically films about love this month in February. And uh, we do it over a few uh, drinks. We may overdrink, we may underdrink, but the conversation is over drinks. And so that's why it's called Over Drinkers. My guests today are Jeremy Kolajewski and Brian Castellano. And today we are going to be talking about Star Wars and love, specifically in episode two, Attack of the Clones. Oh boy. And in episode five, The Empire Strikes Back. There you go. Uh, so I guess we'll just kind of dive right into it real quick with, um, oh, actually, no, what are we drinking today? That's right. We are drinking, um, beautiful Miller High Life, cheap beer for cheap loves. So cheers to you guys. Yeah. So, uh, Jeremy, if you want to kick things off, um, what do you, uh, Attack of the Clones. Attack of the Clones. What a movie. Hell of a movie. Um, not a good movie. I think, um. You know, I think uh, that's a pretty unique opinion of mine. Is that Attack of the Clones? Wow, you don't like Attack of the Clones? No, no, I, I, I don't think it's a very good movie. I mm. don't think it's very entertaining, nor does it have um, any kind of uh, emotional weight or anything to really care about. So, oh. wow, <laughs> it's a, scathing. I, it's D- diving right into it. I We're think, not even three minutes in. <laughs> it's it's definitely the the worst of of the Star Wars prequels. Of just the prequels, or would you say it's it's the worst of all of them? It's probably the worst Star Wars movie. Okay, if you, unless you count those the weird Ewok movies, I don't know. Are those uh, any good? Okay, we're gonna we're gonna pause here for one second. <laughs> you leave the Ewok movies out of this. All right, they're absolutely fine. They're canon. They happened. Wow, I'm so happy. You like, leave them. it alone. Yeah. Oh my god, are you kidding me? No, 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 no. That's not gonna happen. Not here. Um. <laughs> Uh, I, I disagree on Attack of the Clones being the worst one. I think The Phantom Menace is practically unwatchable. Um, and you can say, like, there's the saving grace of the awesome lightsaber scene at the end. I am non-sarcastically uh, differently opinionated with that uh, from other people. I do not like that lightsaber scene. It looks way too choreographed. Mm-hmm. It's, and it's pretty much the opposite of what they did in episode three, where it's just like CGI and you're like, I don't care about anything. And that last lightsaber fight between Obi-Wan and Anakin, that lightsaber fight at the end of episode one is just like, and it's great. It's great choreography. Ray Park plays mm-hmm. Darth Maul, who is awesome. He was the Headless Horseman in, in Tim Burton's Sleepy Hollow. He was Toad in Toad. X-Men. He was in that X versus Sever. I loved Ray Park when I was like younger, around the time when Phantom of the Menace came out. And X versus Sever. Oh X God. versus Sever, man. I haven't heard anyone mention that movie in a <laughs> long time. But uh, I'm really good at getting off onto tangents, so we'll try and I'll try and rein it back. Uh, love, love in Attack of the Clones. What do you think about the love story? Uh, <laughs> where to begin with the love story <laughs> in Attack of the Clones? Um, I compare it to two pieces of wood. Mm-hmm. Pretending to fall in love with <laughs> And those two pieces of wood are Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen? 
or no no you have something there yeah you have something there and that's probably elevated by Ewan McGregor, who's working his ass off. In uh, yeah, before movies. yeah, but before that gets taken out of context, Ewan McGregor is a as a prodigy in all of these movies as Obi Wan Kenobi. Like he's he Obi-Wan. oozes Alec Guinness. He's Obi Wan. Mm-hmm. He's Obi Wan. It's great. It's fantastic. I'm really hoping that they make those uh, Obi Wan solo movies with him, yeah, like that, yeah. like Mad Max esque Obi Wan, who's kind of losing it, and uh, that'd be great. You know, as as much as we're going to criticize Attack of the Clones on this podcast, we're going to put Ewan McGregor in a nice little bubble. Yeah, he's a up nice there. little safety bubble mm-hmm. with but, Frank Oz's voice. Sure, yeah, it's up there. It's fine. <laughs> he can do whatever he wants. That's fine. Sure. Um, but the love story, uh, wooden two wooden people. Mm-hmm. Brian, do you agree with that? I I would agree that um, the worst part about the movie is the love story, because just how forced it all seems. And how the characters don't really seem to, like, have situations where they are bound to like each other. Mm-hmm. Like, the first the first time Padme sees Anakin after ten years of not seeing her, him, is just like, wow, you've grown. And, she, and he's just like, so of you, only more beautiful. Yeah, he's and it's, super creepy. It's just super, it's just super creepy and bad. And... Anakin at this point is 19 years old. He's been in the Jedi Order for 10 years. And he still hasn't matured like an adult. He's still very much like a young teenager right now, especially dealing with women. It's like when they were writing... Because George Lucas brought in a second writer on this one to help out because everybody was mad about the Phantom Menace. I can't remember the guy's name, but you can look it up. And it's... uh, the, uh, apparently the guy helped out with the love story or something and oh, man. or something Poor guy. I, I and i don't i don't understand why they felt the need right off the bat in attack of the clones to make anakin like oh he might turn to the dark side or oh he's got uh like personality issues or like like he acts like he has some kind of very serious mental illness mm-hmm. in this movie where he just can't like agree with anyone on anything unless he's no, the one you're, you're absolutely right and it's crazy that like they would there, there's a lot of things with natalie portman with padme where when she first sees him and like she just keeps kind of like shrugging off these really creepy advances yeah and then it she's gets to a point where, like where they're alone in like her room while she's packing and he's just like oh, just bitching about his life yeah. and everything. He dives right into it. I think it's about maybe 30 seconds of conversational foreplay just like, "Oh, you you should be proud of what you're doing" and blah 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 and then just immediately makes it about himself mm-hmm. and just starts talking. And this whole thing carries over into when they're uh when they go back to um Naboo mm-hmm. and they're hiding out there. And at the end, when they're at the arena and there's that big love story moment where, like, she confesses that she's been in love with him, too, this whole time. But she's been trying to fight it just as much as he's been attempting to uh, achieve it. Uh, And it just, like, comes out of nowhere. Yeah. You're just like, what exactly has this guy been doing for this movie? Because they haven't seen each other in ten years. Mm -hmm. There's no other thing... Besides everything that we see them doing, all of their interactions in this movie, that's them falling in love? Yeah. Or did, did they fall in love when he was nine and she's 14? I think what they are what they were trying to go for and failed miserably is that um, 
you know, in Han and Leia's relationship in Attack of the... Not Attack. Empire Strikes Back and um, A New Hope, they, like, they banter with each other mm-hmm. all the time. They, you know, they go off on each other. They, they like, insult each other. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's... You, in the were end, they, they trying to, like, replicate that? Yeah, and it just didn't come so. off because... They weren't Carrie Fisher and Harrison Ford, right? Like. Right. It's just it's a combination of the the stilted directing, the poor writing, and the poor performances that it just they just come off as bitchy. God, who cast Hayden Christensen in this? Like the poor guy. I I like Hayden Christensen yeah. in a lot of other movies. Looper's awesome. Uh, there's this really really jumper. You mean jumper? Oh, jumper. Sorry, yeah, it's jumper. Uh, <laughs> That's a I, movie. I'm, I've been I've been watching way too many Ryan Johnson movies lately. Getting pumped. Um, for uh, uh, the Last Jedi, obviously, yeah. um, and well, he was we'll... also in this movie. Hayden Christian was also in this movie called Life as a House with Kevin Klein, where he played like this emo kid who has this girl next door break his emo ness while his dad is dying of cancer and like fixing that's so, a house. That's so the reverse Star Wars. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm just like, did they just pick him because he's pouty? Like they wanted a pouty Anakin. That's what they wanted. I maybe that's the only thing he's good at, or is he not even that good? <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's not because he's not really pouty, so to say, in Jumper. He's like, it's like confident. He's like confident, like the confidence that like a detective has in some like gumshoe detective. Like he's just like, I've got a bad pass and I'm trying to get away from it. And like, you know, he, he was more like likely to like sulk over over a beer than like, you know, cry in the corner to somebody. Sure. Well, I think a lot of it is because he's part of the Jedi Order and the Jedi Order doesn't really agree with having relationships with people so which is weird wi- it is absolutely weird 100 it's never explained why it's they're... it's never outright explained why the jedi do this in the movies but in the clone wars tv show it shows that the jedi are losing their way and they're becoming generals in a war and they're slowly going towards the dark side in order to achieve peace and they don't realize that they're they're basically putting the nail in their own coffin mm-hmm. so ha- not having attachments is just doesn't work it just it, it leads to tension between people yeah but why would they think that that would work uh because like i get why they're because doing they're it for because the story and... no they're afraid of the dark side that's that's the only reason so they're afraid of uh temptation mm-hmm. and like love lead like love leading to hate like if you love something if someone hurts it, then you hate it. I think that's definitely part of what George Lucas was going for. He didn't. He didn't explain that well at all. Yeah, I've never understood that. Like, I get why she's a politician. Like, she's a senator, sure. and she can't really fall in love because she's like, I'm super busy, bro. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> that Her makes motivation sense. I'm like, for gotcha. that is perfect. Good at yeah. You're at you're too busy at your job. Got it. Which but is so weird. Why she chooses him? Maybe it's because uh, the way he cut that pear. Oh yeah, at the table. He cuts oh yeah. Him. If Master Obi Wan saw me doing this, he'd be very grumpy. <laughs> I think that's was... a line. In like they right. wrote that on the script and printed it out and handed it to people, and nobody said anything. Grumpy. What that's a great. It? That's a good line for a Star Wars movie. That's great. If Master Obi Wan saw this, he'd be very grumpy. 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 That's his choice of words. In a galaxy far, far away, there is still shitty writing. Absolutely. <laughs> so There'll always be shitty writing. So mm-hmm. speaking of which, the um, the co-writer that you mentioned earlier, his name's Jonathan Hales. Okay. And his other credits include the Scorpion King. 
Oh, great movie. No, 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 no. Wait, wait, wait. Let's back this up real quick. Time out. We're going to take 60, 60 seconds to talk about The Scorpion King. I didn't say anything. Yeah, I, just the, I love The Scorpion King. The Scorpion King is so, <laughs> so much fun. It is a dumb little popcorn movie. But it, I have, gave, su- I have gave such the rock fond, so much fond memory Sorry. of... Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, I have such fond memories of watching The Scorpion King when I was a kid. What else did he write? Um, He wrote... Uh, episodes of young indiana jones cool oh really yeah i haven't heard about that in years wow um he wrote an episode of dallas and the last thing he has been credited was in 2008 and it was the adventures of young indiana jones winds of change which i guess is a direct-to-video thing that came out around the same time as uh as crystal skull Oh, so he must be just some kind of like Lucasfilm lackey. Probably. And yeah. they were like, go on in and help the big man. <laughs> no, no, George Lucas was like, You're you're my guy. You're mm-hmm. gonna write you're gonna write this script. Apparently the only thing that I know for a fact that he did write, because he said it in an interview, they were like, What's something that you wrote? And he was like, Oh, I don't like to we don't like to argue over who wrote what and which line and which part. But he did take credit for the death stick line at the oh, bar. Oh no! And, and I was like, "Why would you take credit for that? <laughs> like, why would you? Why would you just be like, oh, I don't know? It was mainly George. And he's just—he <laughs> took credit for. He owned it, though. I guess so. I wow. guess some people think that that's a solid, you know. And that's we were talking about before Attack of the Clones. There are things to like about it mm. in the sense that in in massively broad strokes oh yeah canyon-esque size strokes Mm -hmm. um it's kind of fun and a little entertaining like you know every time i think about that scene with obi-wan like in the levitation suspended animation cell that he's in and dooku christopher Lee is just walking around him in a circle, just a great ex- scene. just like uh, mustache twirling the entire like scheme that they've got going on, doing his job. Yeah, Chris like, when you start thinking yeah. about like why is he saying all this shit to him, you're like, this is stupid. But like just that idea, like that idea of him just being like locked in this suspended animation cell, and that's the cell that these bugs have on that planet. That's very like a beginning of Return of the Jedi. All the weird shit that's in Jabba's. Uh, palace it's like it, it, it harkens back to that only now they have technology for the film they have the technology to be able to like make it even grander and the the Django Fett uh, space fight in the asteroid field oh, I think too. is a lot of fun uh, I don't think the effects were ready for something like that just yet so it still comes off as kind of cartoony great mm-hmm. sound work though great scene. sound work yeah that that yeah that, that that's across the board for all Star Wars movies I think yeah they're pretty good I mean that Skywalker sound like yeah. they, they pretty much invented every trick that's out there right now i think i'm fairly certain that they do every movie i feel like every movie where i watch the credits it's like skywalker sound every like major yeah every major movie. yeah, yeah. I, I don't think they did the sound for the babadook i mean like just, that'd be cool that, yeah, <laughs> they might have uh to bring it back to that scene that you're talking about that's i i really like that scene because dooku is like coming to obi-wan in like a like a learning sense he's just like uh, Dooku tra- uh, trained Qui-Gon Jinn, who was Obi-Wan's master. And he Did was... he say that in the movie? Yeah. Yeah, he he he, he was Qui-Gon's um, what? master. What? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Hmm. And um, 
So Dooku was trying to come at uh, Obi-Wan in kind of like a friendly term. He's like, you learned by Qui-Gon, like, I'm like your friend kind of. And he tells him that Sidious is a thing and that he's he's manipulating everything. Mm -hmm. But because Obi-Wan's part of the Jedi Order, they're just like, no, we can't we can't sense that. We're just like, he doesn't listen to it. Mm -hmm. But he's telling him like the whole plot of the whole trilogy right in that scene. And he's just not listening to it. Mm hmm. So, like, the idea is that the Jedis are so... The reason the Jedis are acting so stupid in the prequels is because the Jedis are becoming stupid? Yes. Like, that's it? Like, they're just becoming stupid? Yeah. They're becoming arrogant, and arrogant. They, they think the Sith is not a thing anymore, and then when the war well, Yoda's starts... like, always, too. Well, yeah, but but in, in The Phantom Menace, when uh, Darth Maul first shows himself, mm -hmm. that's the first time the Sith has been seen by the Jedi and thousands of years mm -hmm. and they say that in the council scene the first movie yeah which always never made sense to me that they're like no the sith don't exist like they're not out there but then yoda literally says at the end like always two there are no more no less so if there were no more sith wouldn't that be less than two it was very Let's confusing to me like that. it depends on like what you're taking literally and what you're taking kind of like spoken in the moment like a cool little tagline that's a good point you know and that's why i've always thought like um you know with the, coming with the force awakens and the last jedi coming up that there's always going there are always um there are always two uh siths at all times whether they are trained or not there are always two people with a high metachlorine sorry uh, with the ability to <laughs> use the force you did it. You slipped. I just want to tell you the clones. I can't help it. Um, Do they even mention midichlorians? In it's just clones? on there. Like every scene, you just see midichlorians. They have to. Like with all the Jedi's, True. all the little, all the little, the little. What do they call them? Younglings. The mm -hmm. younglings. Actually, the midichlorians is is something I think about a lot too because it gives more uh, reasoning or, or more proof that the Jedi are losing their ways because they've lost their religion. They're explaining it through science now. And they're trying to uh, take away the spiritual aspect of the Force, which is inside of you, rather than just something that's on you. And wow, yeah, yeah. The, I, I because in an Empire, Yoda's like the Force is everywhere. Like it's it's not just these things; mm -hmm. it's everything. It's the rock, it's the trees, it's everything. Oh, that's the best. Yeah, it's it's great. So in The Phantom Menace, when he says that, it's like diluting the spiritual aspect of the Force. And that's why Yoda says those things in The Empire, because he learned the mistakes of what happened in the prequels, what they did wrong. That makes, me, that makes way more sense. Yeah, that's, yeah. Back to love. <laughs> this is what happens when you get Mini a bunch of Star Wars love. geeks together to talk about love in the Star Wars movies. Like, no, 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 no. I want to talk about that cell that Obi Wan was in with Dooku. <laughs> Did you know that Qui Gon was Dooku's uh, yeah. apprentice? They, I mean, no, that's secretly just, lovers. That just goes to show of like how paper thin the mm -hmm. love is in, mm -hmm. well, in and that's, Padme and Anakin. For anybody listening here, you should definitely, if you haven't yet, check out Red Letter Media's Mr. Plinkett reviews uh, of absolutely. the Star Wars prequels. Specifically, the Attack of the Clones one, they're a hefty watch, about an hour and a half each, but they are absolutely amazing in just tearing apart all of the things that just don't really make sense about these prequels. And in mm -hmm. particular, in the Attack of the Clones one, they do a like uh, like a scorecard of things that Anakin does um, 
to Padme in front of her, things that he oh, says yeah. to her, that would be like um like a check or like a or like a no no. Yeah. And like to see to gauge like how she got to that level mm-hmm. where she was like, I'm in love with you too. And it's amazing. And I won't go into that anymore because it'll feel like I'm just repeating something that I've watched tons of times mm-hmm. now that I think now I think it's my own opinion. Uh, right. just go there and watch that. It's great. I mean you could think of it as like kind of like a Stockholm syndrome kind of case, but there's not really enough evidence. I mean, yeah, she's about to die and to really support that. I, I think the way they should have changed it is when they're together going into the, the Coliseum to be put to death. Um, that's when they should have started having a connection. Like the whole time was Anakin protecting Padme on Naboo. And nothing happens there. She's not in danger. She's home. She's got security. It's a paradise place. It just it, it screeches to a halt and there's no tension with how anything is going on. So it's just forced love romance. Mm-hmm. But if all that wasn't there and it was just like Anakin protecting her, like going planet to planet, bounty hunters are coming after her and, she, and he's protecting her, that would have been more of an easier way to connect them. Yeah, and you and could then, just put little tiny moments where, you know, one of them does something for the other that they said previously that they would never do for anyone else. Exactly. Just in a passive way. And now you can see they're slowly connecting. Like when Han Solo returns at the end of a new hope to help mm-hmm. out his friends, it, like that's a big moment. That's him saying, he's like, I, you know, that's essentially, I don't stick my neck out for anybody. You know, that's, that's Rick from Casablanca mm-hmm. at the beginning. I don't stick my neck out for me. My last name is Solo for fuck's sake. Okay. Mm-hmm. I got this. And for him to show up, that's a really big, uh, moment for his character to show to his friends like i love you and i trust you and i want you to trust me and that carries forward right at the beginning of empire where all of a sudden that kind of love and trust has gone through the ringer for about two or three years Mm -hmm. while they've been fighting this war and you know now leia and han like they're they they understand that that there's something between them they both get it but they're both so prideful in their own way the the pride of han solo is not the same as the pride of princess leia you know like han solo is like this kind of arrogant uh swashbuckling um like nothing's gonna tie me down i do what i want kind of thing he can get any any girl he wants he can get yeah anything he wants he is he's a leaf on the wind you know that kind of thing uh and princess leia's pride comes from a place of you know determination and leadership and loyalty to uh, the rebellion and and to save like she believes that she's one of the best people to uh, lead uh, the rebellion towards uh, defeating the empire. So there's a lot of uh, uh, mirroring going on there from Anakin and Padme and Leia and Han, where Padme is like, I'm a politician, I can't really do this, even though we don't really see her doing too much politicking. Um, she. Uh, She's just like kind of sits in like a floating chair for a bit and talks a couple times. Mm-hmm. And she was a queen at one point. At fourteen, it's lazy. And like we see, Prince, like Princess Leia. Leia is like, dude, like, oh, yeah. like going yeah. on missions with people, and like she watched her entire planet get destroyed right in front of her eyes, like while her dad was had his hand on her shoulder, which she eventually finds out. She finds that out, right? Oh yes. She does. In Return of Jedi, there is a uh, moment where it's like... Well, she Luke tells her that Vader is is their father and that he's yeah. her sister. Yeah. Uh, she's his... Yeah. And um, there's actually a new book that came out called um, uh, Bloodline. 
which is which takes place like 10 years before the force awakens and because you know this the new republic is a thing because the empire is dead the first or the first order is like a small little splinter group right now they're not really doing anything and over like the galactic equivalent of c-span um the senate brings forth everyone's intention that leia is not credible because she is the daughter of darth vader scandalous yeah interesting and and actually ben solo sees that over over the tv and he never knew that ever his parents never told him that Uh, that darth vader was his grandfather see and i'm sure like something like that being such a huge part of uh uh kylo ren's character will definitely come up in the next one and like and we'll talk about last jedi at the end of this a little bit too Throw out some, throw out some stuff because you guys both saw Rogue One, obviously. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. right. And, and Force Awakens, good. Yeah, yeah. Of course, absolutely. some would say, unfortunately, for Force Awakens, I wouldn't. Oh no, definitely. I, not. I enjoyed Force Awakens very much. If 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 you're looking at it in such a cynical manner, you're not gonna like it. Yeah, and that's uh, I've gotten in a lot, a lot of arguments with um, me too friends and enemies and loved ones about the force awakens and at the end of the <sighs> day too. you know it's like if you did if you didn't like it i want to talk about why i didn't like it and i'll talk to you about why i do like it um because that's what's fun about movies you get to discuss them um yeah but like at the end of the day when it's really hard for somebody who doesn't like it you can t- tell that they actively do not want to like it and mm-hmm. you point out things you're like oh blah, blah, blah. and i'll be i'll be honest a lot of the reasons that i like the force awakens kind of are the same similar reasons um why you know of the things that i like about attack of the clones and revenge of the sith there's these little tiny moments in broad strokes Mm. the movie kind of starts to fall apart but it doesn't deteriorate to the degree that the prequels do yeah the the body is still sound there because they've got the body of a new hope and that's a strong body like as long as you follow that you're pretty much set that's why i think the last jedi is going to be that's going to be the the deal breaker. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, Rogue One and it's all these brand new characters and you, I mean half the movie is introducing characters and that's always yeah. fun. So it's like you kind of like couldn't lose with that. And The Force Awakens, it's pretty much just a remake of A New Hope, and I like that. I think that's a really good way to introduce the Star Wars galaxy to the next generation to people that might not be familiar with what star wars was they're familiar with what it is with the prequels and Mm -hmm. clone wars and it used to be something else and i think that the force awakens feels way more spielbergian than any movie that jj abrams has done yet including super Super 8 8. which is not spielbergian at all Mm -hmm. super 8 to me is like reading the back of like the et vhs like tape like yeah it oh yeah that's et it's a little it's a little spielberg but it's like that's not it like you got to put the tape in and you got to play it oh vhs reference there we go there you go i don't know if you can do that there you go um with with force awakens and it being like having the structure of a new hope i feel like that's the only way they really could have done that like because that's you know that's kind of the safe approach of doing it because what George Lucas did with um, the Phantom Menace, he tried doing something different, way different, <laughs> a, a little too different, and that was that was a problem, and it and it and it failed. I don't know so, about failed. I mean, oh, it didn't it, fail. I mean, it didn't fail like it like box <laughs> yeah. office wise, but it it failed as 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 a movie. Mm-hmm. But that's I remember yeah. when and, Force and Awakens s- was coming out. Remember George Lucas's interviews with everybody? <laughs> Charlie Rose one. <sighs> That Charlie Rose George Lucas interview is one of my. That's my favorite Star Wars episode. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Ugh. 
And, um, you know, Star Wars is such a volatile product. Mm -hmm. Like, no matter how you approach it, like, you know, you could, when you direct a Star Wars movie, you're going to have people tell you that, oh, I loved it, I loved it, but you're going to have just as many people tell you, oh, I hate it, because right. it's, it's, Star people Wars, are so it, emotionally attached to it. Yeah, they, everybody wants, everybody has their thing about Star Wars Absolutely. they like, whether it could be the same thing as somebody else's, it's never going to be exactly the same, because they have their own reasons why they liked it, because they watched it when they were younger, or something that happened to them, or anything like that, something like some kind of memory that they associate it with. And you're never going to be able to please everybody. That's never. the whole thing with no. blockbuster movies. You can't please everybody. What you can do is you is you can create a movie that obviously has good intentions, that obviously is attempting to appease to as many um, groups, a variety of different types of people as possible, and presents a story that's uh, worth the time that it takes to watch it and leaves you with a little bit of something to think about. It has good performances, you know, that's that's really all you can ask for of these like gigantic blockbuster movies. That's why the Marvel movies are kicking ass because they're just like they are so good at casting people. Mm -hmm. That's the biggest strong suit Marvel has. And that's also J.J. Abrams secret weapon is he is a diabolically great caster. The Star Trek crew, mm -hmm. the new Star Wars crew, like uh, Mission Impossible 3 getting Philip Seymour Hoffman to oh be the bad guy in a Mission Impossible movie right when he was like hot off the heels of like winning awards for Capote and yeah. stuff like that's awesome like what a great great idea mm -hmm. and in The Force Awakens they have all of these little things that make it a good movie and I think the biggest reason why people don't like it, and it's actually a sound reason, and I can't argue with it. All I can say is, it's they're more part of a saga now than individual episodes. Yeah. Like you could watch Empire and call it a day from beginning to end, even though it starts and they already know each other and it ends on a cliffhanger. You could start uh, start it and watch it and end it and call it a day. You don't have to watch Return of the Jedi. But with the Force Awakens, I think it's really going to be like this new trilogy is. You know, they're going to be somewhat isolated. You can watch The Force Awakens and finish it off, but it does end on a gigantic cliffhanger that's obviously leading into uh, episode eight. Yes. And so I, I, and that's just the way um, film and TV culture is these days. It's progression. That's why Netflix is making so many TV shows. That's why television is coming back in such a huge way with AMC and HBO because people really like this serialized form of storytelling. Does it belong in Star Wars? No. But Star Wars is based on serial episodes of like either television or uh, theater shorts. So in a way, yes, it does. So no one's really wrong in that argument. But that's always the big argument that always comes up is that they should be isolated. It shouldn't they shouldn't I should know who Ray is by the end yes. of episode seven. Like what, what, um. what's going on? I should know. Right, and it's like, yeah, well, I mean, also, you're not writing it, so... True. Yeah. I mean, if you want to write it and pitch it and they like it and want to spend millions and millions <laughs> and millions of dollars and months and years on it because they like it so much, that's a good idea. If you think they should do it another way and they're not doing it that way, it's a movie. Everyone's got It's an... a Star Wars movie. There's lightsabers. <laughs> Relax. Yeah. Everyone's got an opinion. I, I think one of the reasons why I like Force Awakens... One of the reasons is because it doesn't have a like a forced love story, and it, it stays to like the true themes of Star Wars, which is like family, camaraderie, 
taking over the power, fighting against the power, things of that nature. And I lost my train of thought. Um, <laughs> this, we're jumping from like love stories in Attack of the Clones, Empire, yeah. Force Awakens, Last Jedi, Clone Wars, Qui-Gon Jinn. How it doesn't have a love story. Yeah. Right. The Force Awakens? Um, I'm I'm sorry, I forgot what I was gonna say. <laughs> no, that's fine. The, uh, it's probably the beer. No, no, yeah, no, that's that's the whole point of it. Over drinkers. Um, when it comes back to you, like pipe, but like, yeah, ah! I definitely will. Yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, no, 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 no worries. There is kind of a love story in Force Awakens. It's it's like brotherly love oh, between Finn, Finn and, Finn and, and Poe. Poe. <laughs> it's yeah. that's legitimately. Great. I'm it's not great. joking. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're it's right. It's like I I feel the brotherly love between them, and it and it feels genuine, and it's and it's well acted, and like whenever the the two are on screen together. I just, I just want to, like, I feel good. I feel happy. Mm-hmm. I want to see them on screen more. Yeah, as soon as they first met up, uh, like, and they, like, they were like, we're going to get out of here. And they, like, there was, this. like, this almost, there was, like, this, um, like, it, it felt forced and false at first. At first. Felt forced and false at first. The alliteration. Yes. Uh, because it just kind of came out of nowhere. All of a sudden, there's this rebel and the stormtrooper, and they are just they are joking with each other within ten seconds of, of talking to each other, mm-hmm. and it felt a little like odd. Like okay, they're just trying to get into like the whole Han Solo, Luke Skywalker, like tete uh, tete. Um, and but by the time that they're in that Tie Fighter and they're flying around fighting, you actually kind of believe it. You're just yeah. like these are Poe is like this very just like out there carol flynn type of charming dude and um finn is just this uh blank slate yeah like he hasn't really done anything like this before he's he's never done anything unless somebody told him to do it as far as like we know you know like as far as we know like these people are pretty much just like captured on planets now and raised in the empire instead of like cloning people. Now they're just kind of enslaving people from a young yeah. age. Yes. And like being like, this is the military. Now you're in here, which is very much what the real military is like. Yeah. Did you get it? Oh yes. Uh, one of the reasons I like the force awakens so much, uh, you were saying that people didn't like it cause they didn't know who Ray was at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. What I liked about it so much was that there was just so much mystery to the characters and stuff. That they they are going to answer. Oh, absolutely. Clear, yeah. Clearly, this isn't lost. Yeah, I know it was directed by J.J. Abrams. Yeah, but it's not lost. Like they're not going to be like, they're... who do you think, Ray? <laughs> like in the last scene of Episode Nine isn't going to be Ray opening the door to her still alive parents, <laughs> and like a light shines on her, and we can't see their faces, and she smiles and goes, "I always knew it was you." And they then show up as Force Ghosts. Yeah, directed by. <laughs> Jurassic World man. How do you say his name? Colin Trevorrow. Trevorrow? Exactly. That's why I didn't say it. Something like that. Yeah, it's one of those weird ones. Who's what's episode nine written who's episode nine written by? Have they announced that yet? It's it might be him or it might be him and Ryan. It no no no. It's his dude. It was gonna be Ryan Johnson. Last time I checked, it's Colin Trevorrow's main man that wrote Jurassic World and that wrote the other movie that he did, um, the time travel movie. Uh, Safety Not Guaranteed. Yeah, I believe it's that guy. Oh. Who doesn't look like a... Looks very weird. Just looks weird as a person. Like, I, I, I saw him and I was like, <laughs> what is this dude, like 21 years old? And then I find out he's like 45. I'm like, what? So, I didn't get that. But yeah, apparently it's him. So yeah, 
Episode 8 is all we're getting from Ryan. I think he kind of scripted a little bit about what's leading into 9. I think that's right. But pretty much the same way that J.J. Abrams kind of scripted leading into 8. Like, obviously Ryan Johnson now has to pick up the pieces that they laid out. So he's kind of like laid the groundwork for some stuff. So, I mean, yeah, I guess that's as good a time as any to uh, talk about The Last Jedi. Yeah, and will there be a love story in The Last Jedi? Yes, will there be a love story? And will it be between Poe and Finn? <laughs> that's an that's that's an interesting. Do you think do you, do you think that'll happen? I don't. I don't. I mean, everybody's talking I, about that immediately. Like and, an actual love love story. Oh yeah, like so. like a homosexual Star Wars love story. Well, I mean, there was that scene at the end of Force Awakens where Rey kisses um, Finn on the forehead. Finn on the forehead. So I think they're like sort of going with like. Maybe they're setting up a love story with them, too, mm-hmm. or... It's hard to tell with Star Wars. I mean, I... Leia kisses Luke on the mouth that's at the beginning true. of Empire, <laughs> that, and yes. that is not where that's going. Yeah. No. They have got some things that they've got to deal with. You're you think right. they ever, like, get, like, drunk at the je- at the new Jedi Temple after Return of Jedi and joke about uh, that? Or drink some Juma juice. Whenever, whenever Han sexual. Solo and Chewbacca get a little too tipsy after, like, uh, <laughs> the Jedi graduation, and they're just like, oh, what about that time you kissed your brother? <laughs> I I, th- I think it's very hard on Luke. That's why Luke left. <laughs> oh, oh man! Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just because I I don't man. think in the Last Jedi there will be a love story with Rey. I think it'll be between some new characters, maybe, and maybe Finn or Poe. Because you want because there is a new female lead that's in uh, the Last Jedi. I forgot her name. She's a new actress. Ooh. Uh, she, her name's Michelle something or something. Um, and I think she's gonna be the romantic love interest to someone. Okay. You want this movie to pass the Bechdel test. But, yeah, I don't think... I, I think they want Rey to be independent through this whole trilogy. And that would make sense, too, because that's that's what Luke was. Luke, yeah. uh, you know, in the very first one, there was kind of this lead-on, like, especially from the posters and everything, you saw, like, really muscular Mark Hamill, like, holding up a lightsaber while, like, <laughs> very scantily clad, super thin... Uh, Carrie Fisher was like grabbing onto his again very muscular thigh, mm-hmm. and that's not what's going on. No. And you know, and he's kind of just like the love story between Luke and Leia in the in A New Hope is very much uh, you know just like boy meets girl, boy falls for girl, but girl's too busy saving the galaxy yep. kind of thing. She yep. doesn't really give him a peace of mind or anything like that, and she they become friends. And by the time we pick up with them in Empire. Um, he's not calling her Carrie anymore, which he does at the end of New Hope. Oh, does he? Oh, yeah, you didn't know that? When he gets out of the X-Wing after he blows up the Death Star, she goes, Luke, and he goes, Carrie! You're right. Mm-hmm. It's pretty great. That. I thought he just like they took it out in like the special editions. Oh, okay, but... that's why I haven't heard. Yeah, it yeah, 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 yeah. If you're like that's me and you still got your VHSs of it, it's it's Carrie, and you can hear it. Um, <laughs> I've seen the by the beginning of edition of Return of the Jedi. That's a good one to have, yeah. The best one is like the, the fact that Empire is like very barely touched. Yeah. So that's very good. Um, but it's still kind of touched when they're going in like Cloud City and stuff like that. And when he talks yeah. to the Emperor, they just they put uh, what Ian McDermott. In, yeah. They yeah. put him in there for no reason at all. Like you don't need him. Um, but by the beginning of Empire Strikes Back, uh, you know you can see that all three of their relationships. The main humanoids, the the Han Solo, Luke Skywalker, and Leia Organa, um, mm-hmm. 
you can see that they have really melded into this like trio of friends that are very, very close. And that's, yeah. and you know, Luke knows that Han, something's going on between Han and Leia. He can tell. And so that's why when Leia kisses Luke, it's kind of like, whoa, out of spite. Yeah. It's a girl that you really like kissing your brother. And you're like, wait, wait, wait. But it's actually her kissing her brother. So Han Solo wins again. You, you, yeah, you could look at that as Leia trying to make Han jealous. Because that whole beginning scene... That, I, I really of, think that that's what it is. Yeah. Like, it really can't be anything else than that. Like, they're literally doing that banter, Jeremy, mm-hmm. that you were talking about. Like, that back and forth that you're just like, this is what, like, couples that have been together for three years talk like. They just haven't sealed the deal. Yeah. That's why when they finally are stuck on a ship together and they're and uh you know uh han needs to fix the ship but chewbacca and c-3po and r2d2 are all taking care of that and leia has no one to control because everybody it's on han's ship he's the captain so now she has she has no orders to give she has no Mm -hmm. responsibilities so she just starts trying to help out and that's where she kind of opens up a little bit and and that's also where you know han solo's kind of starts coming in a little bit more aggressively, but never too aggressive. It's more just like he's a scoundrel and she knows that he's a scoundrel. And that line still echoes true today where, you know, be, be courteous when you're approaching women, but at the same time, they look a little, little scoundrel, not a bad boy, little scoundrel, you know, like, uh, Give them, give them a wink every now and then. If they know you. Do not do that if you don't know this person. Oh, yeah. Do not wink at women that you do not know. That's They creepy. don't know you. Yeah. They're busy. They <laughs> might be having a very bad day, and they don't need the weird guy standing outside the laundromat at 1.30 p.m. on a Sunday winking at them and telling them to smile. They don't need that. They might be senators. Yeah. Now I got my feminist thing in there. That's Let's move on from that. Sorry. I get really worked <laughs> up about it. Sorry. And she, she <laughs> fell for a scoundrel that like is helping her take down the empire. Empire. Mm-hmm. So that's that's brownie points that he's helping right, yeah. out because he started he's helping out, her follow her dreams. Right. He started out was just like, oh, I'm just in it for the money, princess. Mm-hmm. I'm just in it for money. And then he stays and then actually becomes a rebellion general and does stuff. And that's what she really likes. She saw someone change because of a event that she went through, mm-hmm. like the Alderaan exploding and him being captured in the Death Star and stuff. Yeah. And, weird, and her saving way. him. Yeah, like he's like a, a metaphor for you know, she watched the rebellion change him. Yes, and she's hoping that the rebellion can change the galaxy. So, in a small way, maybe there, maybe that's where her attraction to him comes from. Because there's really not that much uh, attraction besides like the banter and everything in the first one. Yeah, right. it doesn't really that's... seem like she's actually kind of just like ugh until the end where she's like, "I knew there was more to you than money." <laughs> True. Uh, but that really comes to the front in the in Empire, and then they go to Cloud City, which is like the greatest honeymoon. Oh yeah, spa in the world. Oh, they yeah. got Billy D. Williams like yeah. giving them oh, dinner, oh, and they they hooked Han Solo and Leia up at such a perfect time to introduce Lando to just come in and be like, "Hello, hello, hello! What is this <laughs> charming old Billy you D. Williams? You truly belong here with us among the clouds." Oh yeah. Because it's, it's a new guy trying to steal Han's girl now. Yeah, exactly. It's great, and I'm really hoping that in the solo movie uh coming out the the solo 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 film yes the solo solo star wars solo film is that its title no <laughs> Actually, no it's really cool it's acting title right now it's shooting title is uh what is it uh, red cup oh yeah that's red it's cup. like 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 uh like um 
code name. Code name, yeah. Because yeah. the Last Jedi is Space Bear. Space Bear. Space Bear. That's pretty good. Uh, okay. And all like the envelopes that Ryan Johnson had had like a little like panda with like a little like helmet on. Aww. <laughs> and, it was, and he was and he was like, I love coming to work every day just so I could see the Space Bear. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe we'll get a little bit of. Uh... I know that there's uh, a couple female main characters in the solo, solo, Star Wars solo story. Yeah, Millie um, Clark. Yep, she's in it, and then there's another one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think she's playing a droid. Who I'm not to... Oh, is she? oh that'd be cool. Yeah. We haven't really gotten uh, female droids. No. Wasn't there Besides like... Besides C-3PO. I was about to say, wasn't there like a female C-3PO at one point? Or was in I... Spaceballs. Yeah, Joan Rivers. Joan Rivers played. uh, Yeah, there's that. But there is a moment. Yeah, there is a moment in Empire where uh, C-3PO passes by a silver um, protocol droid. Yeah, and it has like a woman's voice. Yeah, and it speaks in something, and he goes, "How rude!" And then he hears another. Oh my God, he does say, "How rude!" Yeah, he does. Like Jar Jar. Oh, oh no. that's the first time I made that connection. Ew. <laughs> does he say how rude? Let's pretend he doesn't. He does say that. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're wrapping to the end of this right now. So I guess we'll just, uh, I mean, we got the love story coming up in the solo film. Maybe Lando's stealing somebody away from Han or something. Oh, maybe okay. it's a droid. I, I think maybe the love story will be tw- between, um, it'll be a love triangle between Han, uh, Lando, and the Millennium Falcon. Right. Okay. Oh, you think okay. we'll see him lose the Millennium Falcon? We have to, right? Yes. Like that's one of those things where like you were surprised that you didn't see like a young Han Solo running around in Revenge of the Sith somewhere, like wearing the exact same stuff that Harrison Ford right. wears in Wouldn't a new Maybe like a little like a little kid. Like a little kid just running around like ha 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 with like with a with like a like a you know, just like a, a fake spaceship <laughs> and just like I'm gonna be the greatest General of the Republic. There, there's actually concept art for the Revenge of the Sith that had like a little Han Solo. Of course, it did. And and George, George was like, no. So thank God he did that. George was like, no. <laughs> yeah. I'm having a huge time not believing that. I think he by the time in, Revenge he didn't of the, put in the movie. actually no, you know what? By the time Revenge of the Sith came out, maybe George is just enough where he's like, no, 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 don't, don't. They won't like that. They, they, won't, <laughs> no. they won't like that. I, I don't. No, 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 no. I just want this to be over. Um, all right. Uh, I guess we'll f- end off on the most important question. Uh, the most important, um, love story that's happening throughout the entire Star Wars saga, uh, in the solo, solo Star Wars solo film. Mm-hmm. Do you think that we will see everybody's favorite couple, C3PO and RTD2? They, they snuck into Rogue One. They were there. And that, that makes them the only, the only they one. They are a couple. They are a couple. They absolutely. Are a couple. absolutely. They love yeah, each yeah. other. Whether it's platonic or not, like it's, it's absolutely, they can do whatever they want. They're droids. Probably the, the, to each their own. They can do whatever they, yeah, yeah, they're circuit bodies. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good uh, steamy romance novel that you can pick up from the Star Wars canon. Oh geez. I bet there's circuit one out there. Bodies. There has to be one. At least fan fiction. I, I, I really hope they don't put C-3PO on R2-D2. I wouldn't mind. Honestly, I, seeing C-3PO on R2-D2 in Rogue One was one of my favorite parts of the movie, even though most of the parts in the movie uh, like that were that whole like wink, wink at the audience, you know what this is, right? Hey, 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 you know what this is, right? Yeah. Like, that was a little annoying. But that part where they was just like right there 
it was at just the right spot where like we were breaking away from the story, going into the third act. Mm-hmm. Everything had kind of been tied up, and here we go. What's going to happen? And then it's just like C three PO and R two D two plus two. That was it's the like first them seeing time. it on. That was the first time the Kenny Baker was not in that. Uh, that was the first time Kenny Baker was not in that R two D two suit. That's that's true, but Kenny Baker I feel like it would be. Um... It would be such a stretch to include them mm-hmm. in the Han Solo 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 movie because, like, Han Solo's story is always so separate yeah. from everything else. Yeah, I guess that's true because the Rogue yeah. One, at least there was, like, the rebellion was going on. Yeah. But isn't it like he dumped he dumped cargo at the first sight of an Imperial ship and that's what got him in trouble with Jabba? Uh, I don't know about that. Maybe. That's what got him in trouble with Jabba, yeah. Oh yeah, even right. I you're get right. boarded right. sometimes. You think yeah. I had a choice? And right. Greedo's like, "Yo, Jabba needs you. You can't just be dumping stuff." He says it in another language, but I can't speak it. Yeah, Hatties. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. I feel like I can quote just about any, any Star Wars, Wars quote really from the uh, the original trilogy, except for like what Greedo the says. other languages. I'm yeah. like, oh, I wish I could. Uh, I mean, I got like uh, what's his name from Return of the Jedi, uh, Salacious Crumb down the little uh, the little orange uh fraggle that's in front of java that <laughs> <don't know>. oh! <laughs> <laughs> that's thing good. yeah pretty good that's pretty good uh well all right i think uh, we talked about star wars enough now um uh we hope that you don't agree about that lovely listener and maybe we'll do another uh, couple star wars over drinkers on here or some other podcast uh ideas star wars is always fun to talk about like Absolutely. we literally just only talked about Four of them, and one of them doesn't even exist yet, or any so. of the other expanded universe stuff. Oh yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm there's a little really, dribblings that I said. I'm really but. interested in like learning more about that too, because uh, uh, Robbie Anderson, mm-hmm. um, who does the uh, hot takes uh, with Jack Kalajewski, Jeremy's brother, in case you couldn't tell, mm-hmm. um, does uh, he loves the Star Wars extended universe, which has now become. Legends? Yes. Because it's not canon anymore, so now they've become legends. Correct. I'm really interested in learning a little bit more about all that stuff because I always wanted to watch Clone Wars, but I never caught up in time. Clone Wars is canon. That's canon. Clone Wars is canon, that's right. And so I've never caught up in time, but now it feels like there's so much that it's almost like intimidating. It's like uh, Breaking Bad. I still haven't watched Breaking Bad. Wow. Because I'm just intimidated by it at this point. I I would say, since we're talking about like Attack of the Clones and stuff, the Clone Wars TV show that... Uh, the CG one that was made by George Lucas is so much better than all three of the prequels combined. It, okay. It really spells out stuff that you didn't really understand. It it makes relationships so much more fixes. strong. It fixes all Red the relationships. Cons. Yes. Yes. It fixes. That's what I figured it was doing. And it it makes it an, it's more enjoyable because it's it's a whole war. It's the galaxy in complete turmoil. That there's great. D- there's it's great. It's, and then it's, Rebels, it's Rebels is canon as well, yeah, and that takes that's place the sequel. between uh, three and four. Uh, Clone Wars is between yeah, two and yeah, three. You're right. And then between three and four is Rebels. And James yeah. Earl Jones does Darth Vader's voice. I hear. Yes. That is music to my ears. And, mm. and the guy who did Show's Tarkin great. in Rogue One voices Tarkin in Rebels. Yeah. Oh, cool, great. Then, yeah, that guy did a great job. Even yeah. though like you really couldn't see his face, I was still. I wish that they just hadn't done that. CGI, I think, looks okay. You get used to it after a while in there, uh, but I still wish they hadn't done it. I've seen pictures of the dude. I'm like, ah, just throw a little, throw a little like rubber on that guy's face, and you're good to go. Like he would look just like Grandma Tarkin, but because they made it so close, like the next day, this guy is blowing up Alderaan. Um, yeah, they just. 
they had to really. Yeah, they really, they really had to. They really had to. They did, I don't it's think they had to make him such a strong character, such a uh, a dominant character, uh, like as far as screen time. Like I don't really think they needed that. They could have just supplemented a lot of his lines onto uh, the new dude. Yeah. Um, uh, independent film movie white guy, as I like ben to call Mendelsohn. him. Ben Mendelsohn. Ben Mendelsohn. Director Krennic. Yeah. Yeah. He's great. Krennic. Yeah. What is it? Director Krennic. Krennic? Krennic Director yeah. Krennic, yeah. Okay. Uh, I think they had to have Tarkin in that movie because he, the Death Star is his project. It's him. Yeah, it's him. It, but I the think they it, could have shown him, you know, from behind with like uh, his face kind yeah. of reflecting in the glass. So like you can see his face and it looks way more realistic when you first see him. And I thought they were just going to do that. And then he just turns around and you're just like record scratch. You're like, whoa, whoa, <laughs> I don't know about this. Hold on a second. But you get used to it after a while. Yeah. True. And that's oh my goodness the uh, we we can't we can't leave off without talking about Carrie Fisher uh, passing away say... uh, insanely tragically, uh, but the fact that Rogue One was still out and had only been out for about a week and a lot of people hadn't seen it yet because of the holidays and they were planning on seeing it after Christmas and literally the ending is Carrie Fisher. Spoilers for Rogue One. I mean, you should have seen it by now if you're listening to this. Spoilers. They get the Death Star plans. They, they get the Death Star Leia. plans, and they give them to Leia, and then she's gonna put them in a in an R two. Um, Princess Leia shows up, and it's it's Carrie Fisher, um, CGI uh, to look like Leia from 1977, mm-hmm. and like to end, and that's the end. You end on that. It's da 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 after that, and. For can you imagine being in the Rogue One movie theater? I knew somebody who was actually sitting in the theater watching trailers when when their phone went off and everybody was texting them that Carrie Fisher just died. She wow. was in the theater to watch Rogue One and she sat there and apparently she was like super nervous the whole time. And then when that scene happened, she just burst out into tears. Apparently, oh, a bunch no. of people were crying in the theater. Like that's insane. I, that I, is... I do think about that a lot because I I saw it way before her death. And I was like, wow, Leia was at the end. That's cool. And then when she died, I was just like, people in the future are going to think that, like, this was kind of a tribute to her. Yeah, because it's so close. Yeah. I mean, I think it came out on the 17th, if memory serves me correctly. December 17th, it came out. And then she passed away December 26th. I think so. The day after after Christmas, she passed away. Because she had a heart attack Christmas Eve. Mm -hmm. And then Christmas Day... Um, everything was fine, and then oh, well, I mean, we didn't get any word, and then right. all of a sudden, ah, oof, yeah, that's some rest very in, tragic. Rest in peace. I was Karen very upset because Leia's in the new trilogy, mm-hmm. and there's that's, go- there's yeah, gonna be true. there's like, gonna be stuff there that they can't do now. We get to see Princess Leia for the first time since 1980, really disassociated from like Han Solo. Like even in the Force Awakens, when she was doing her own thing, being a general. And like kicking ass, uh, there was still a lot of the Force Awakens story for her was her relationship with Han Solo and um, will it be rekindled or won't it? And that was taken away by her son. And that's the thing I think a lot of people aren't understanding is that, yeah, Han Solo's dead now, but now Leia has to deal with the fact that her son killed the love of the love of her life and yeah. and his father yeah. and so who do you get mad at in that and it's kind of a lot it's it's kind of uh the same 
feeling of like uh, Luke Skywalker finding out Darth Vader is his dad. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like now who do you where where do you throw your anger at? Do you throw it at Obi Wan for lying to you or Yoda for of lying to you? These people that you trusted and you treated as father figures, and then you found out that your actual father is still alive and he's the worst father figure in the world, and yeah. he's got an even worse father figure that wants <laughs> to be your father figure. <laughs> I mean, that's what Turn of the Jedi is just all about, like, bad dads. Like, Star Wars is just Absolutely. really about bad parents. Bad dads. Like, everybody's just being bad parents in this a- a- Except the father in Rogue One. He was, he's, like, the best Star Wars dad. No. He's the best Star... Yeah, yeah, I'll say that. Yeah, he's the best Star Wars dad. <laughs> Matt Mickelson. one of the best bad guy actors. Yeah, right? Yeah, he's great. He's... Well, him and... Um, he's in... Um, Nicholas Winding Refn's... Valhalla. Valhalla Rising. Valhalla Rising. And him in that, you know, he's like an anti-hero. I wouldn't say he's a good guy. Right. But him in that, like, there's like, there's this sturdy good guy nature to him. That's awesome. Yeah. Isn't he too, uh, I always get him and, um, uh, the, the guy with the, um, the guy from the Knight's Tale, the guy with the lazy eye. Remember a Knight's Tale? Oh, you guys are too young for it. No, I've seen a Knight's Tale. I've seen a Knight's Tale. A Knight's Tale. He's the guy, um, he's the bad knight. The Legion guy? What? The Legion guy? Legion. He, he he was also in the Da Vinci Code. He played the monk dude. Oh my God! Oh, we're going. He's we're going, in, he's going way too. We're going way too. We're going way too. We'll continue this conversation once we stop recording. <laughs> yeah. Um. Again, wanted to thank you so much uh, for listening to our episode. Uh, stay tuned for more over drinkers and uh, more some maybe some more uh, Star Wars podcasts. If uh, if you're not sick of it by now, um, we'll make sure you get sick of it by the next time. Definitely. Um. So uh, I'm Mike Burge. I'm Jeremy Kolodziejski. And I'm Brian Castellano. And thank you so much for watching. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Peace. Fried green tomatoes. Fried green tomatoes. Sibilis. Would that it were so simple? Great. Would that it were so simple? Would that it were so simple? It's complicated.